0: Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today I am interviewing Brandi Buzzard-Fabrose. She is a Kansas cowgirl, rancher, runner, and sports fanatic. I'm excited for you to get to know Brandy through this episode and also excited that Brandy is my first rancher on the podcast. Hooray! It's not all just farmers and homesteaders. (laughs) I promise there are more ranchers to come as well. And to celebrate the first rancher being on the Role Woman podcast, I would like to highlight over in Shop Wild Rose Farmer, As well as the I Am Your Farmer campaign, there's also the I Am Your Rancher t-shirts and tank tops available as well. I didn't want to leave out the ranchers. I guess I could make an I Am Your Homesteader shirt as well if that's something somebody wants. So if it is, let me know. And now moving on to this week's review of the week. The review of the week comes from Care Bear Ponce, who I know as Carrie. She left a five-star rating over on iTunes and says you go girl. So excited to have this podcast and something to enjoy listening to. I am new to this farming world and I see your posts, stories, and pictures, and it gives me hope that one day too, I can rock this farm girl thing. The community and support that you have is heartwarming and I also see it as an inspiration. I can't wait to listen to more of your wisdom, stories, and ideas. Thank you. No, thank you, Carrie, for leaving such a great review over on iTunes. And if you guys are enjoying the Rural Woman Podcast, I encourage you to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the podcast. I see them, I love them, and I thank you. Also, I want to point out that the Rural Woman Podcast community over on Facebook is forever growing, and I want you to be a part of it. So I want you to head over to Facebook and type in the Rural Woman Podcast community and join today. And without further ado, here is Brandy. Hi, Brandy. How are you? I'm doing well, Caitlin. How are you? I am good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today.
1: Oh, I'm really excited. Thank you for asking me.
0: So I have been in community with you over on Instagram, probably for about the last year where I've got to know you and your story. But for my listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from? Sure. I can't
1: believe that we've already been in the community for a year. That really went by quickly. So my name is Brandy Buzzard. I am a Kansas rancher and uh, my husband and I and my daughter, we raise Purebred Gelvie and Balancer cattle. So we also have some commercial cows on the side. I am the director of communications for the Red Angus Association of America. That is my full-time day job. And then we have the ranch, kind of as our, you know, it's it's another job. But it right now is it's a, you know, our second job. I also do a lot of agriculture blogging, and I love gardening and I have some chickens and running and and also do rodeo. So we have, I've got quite a bit going on,
0: but it's a lot of fun. You are a very, very busy woman.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess, yeah, I try not to think about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So with such a busy day, what does a typical day look like for you?
1: Um, A day, so it's March right now. So um, usually in March, it's get up, do this, take my daughter to daycare. Um, My husband and I usually split that. So he travels quite a bit, but if he's home, he will do the chores and I'll take our daughter to daycare. We might switch that sometimes when he's gone, it's, it's all on me. Um, Then I'll work, you know, my full-time job with usually at my lunch break, I will go feed the cows. So in the winter, you know, we're giving them supplement to, you know, keep their caloric intake up and then I'll have to put out hay for them. So I do that during my lunch and then I work the rest of the day and go get my daughter at the end of the day and do chores. And then if there's enough time, I'll try to do some horse stuff, ride my horse or do some things in the barn. But usually then it's dark and it's time to get dinner and put the kid to bed. So that's a, a normal day in the
0: winter and early spring for me. And when do you guys do your calving typically?
1: We actually calve in fall, so kind of late August through through like early November, um, and we do that because it fits our lifestyle better. My husband dra- um, travels a lot from January through early April, so it just fits our lifestyle better for me,
0: uh, for us to fall calve. That's great. So can you tell us a little bit more about your ranch? I know that you do an amazing job down there in Kansas uh, with sustainability. So can you tell us about some practices that you use to raise sustainable beef on your ranch?
1: Yeah, sure. So we live in part of the country that has a lot of fescue grass. So what we do is we rotate our cows on our pasture. So we, we will, we'll, Depending on the size of the pasture, we will let them graze it down, and then we leave a couple inches of grow. we will rotate them to a new pasture. And the reason we do that is so that we don't ruin the, the roots of the grass. We want to make sure that we're leaving it enough there so that the grunnish um, So by rotating, we are actually improving the grass for future years. Good grass has good roots and good root systems improve the soil health overall, like having a good root system improves the water holding capacity of the soil, which in turn helps with nutrients it helps with nutrient uptake. And also cattle are, grazing cattle on grass actually restores carbon into the soil. So by grazing our cattle from pasture to pasture, we're acting with carbon sequestration into the soil. So that's what we do. Um, It would be kind of May through uh, late October. Um, If we have a good summer with the right kinds of moisture, we can usually get through the end of October before we need to be um, harvested storage like hay bales or anything. So we always strive to make sure that we are Planning for the future with the amount of forage that we have. And then in the winter, when um, we're feeding harvested storage like hay bales or silage or something like that, also supplement our cows with um, DDGs. And DDGs are a, for those listeners that don't know, they're a byproduct from ethanol production, which is a biofuel. So humans can't consume DDGs. They're just, you know, it's kind of would be wasted. So we buy the DDGs and feed them to our cows rather than then those DDGs going to waste. And then we help kind of cut down the overall, it makes the beef production process much by using those DDGs. And then, so that's just how we make sure that we are using the resources available to us in the best possible way.
0: For sure. I have been attending conferences, what feels like all winter. And to tell you, <laughs> the, to tell you the truth, when I first started learning about healthy soil, it was very overwhelming to me. Uh, it,
1: yeah. It is. It's very, very complex.
0: There's just so much that goes into soil health and the creation of healthy soil. It's just crazy. And I don't think everyone understands what a complexity it is. So good for you guys for continuing to make healthy soil for your cattle.
1: Well, I mean, we do the best we can. Actually, last night, it's funny. We have our list, you know, every farmer or rancher, you know, producer, whatever has their list. Like When spring hits, they have their list of all the stuff they need to get done. And so my husband and I, we were driving back from dinner with my step grandpa parents and we were making a list. So it's like fertilize pastures and fix some damage that, um, some like fix some fence and do all these other things. And soil samples was at the top of the list. So it's funny last night I was making supper and feeding our daughter and getting her to bed. And my husband was outside in the dark taking soil samples because it's important for us to know what the nutritional quality of the soil is before we start preparing it for the cows to graze it in May. So that's the first step before we can rotational graze, before we can fertilize. Before we can do any of those, we have to know what that the current state of the soil is. So that's the importance of testing, importance of testing it. And I'm not a soil scientist. So we send the results off, and then we have you know we talk to the, our extension agent, and they help us decipher them. But it, it is very complex. But it's something that you have to pay attention to because it is important for the vitality of the you know of the option.
0: It's surprising to me, actually, how many farmers in our area anyways, don't actually do soil testing. It's more like a shot in the dark of what's going to grow in that area. And for us, we're the same soil testing is the first thing that we do and continue to do throughout the growing season.
1: Yeah, bravo to you guys. I just think it's really important. Like, it's kind of like when you set goals or something, or or it is like when you set goals. How do you know you know achieve if you can't measure it? You know, how do you know that? after you have done all the treatments or whatever you're going to do, that you've actually made any improvements if you don't know what you started at. So my husband and I are both, I guess, scientists by training. He's a PhD in animal science and I have a master's. So we're kind of geeky about data and measuring things in the first place. So we just kind of carried that over from our education and our careers into our, you know, ranch operation. And I hope that it's better. You know, in the long run, I think it's going to be good for the, for our ranch because, you know, we're not, we just want to make sure that we're using our resources right and improving them because, you know, we, there's a saying that you, we don't like inherit the land from our ancestors. We borrow it from our, from our children, you know, and I don't think there's anything that that, I mean, that applies so strongly to farmers and ranchers that we just have to be cognizant of what we're doing.
0: 100% accurate. So Brandy, there are some big misconceptions going around in social media and in the news about raising beef cattle. Uh, can you talk to us about some of the misconceptions that you hear about, and maybe some of the rumors?
1: Well, something that probably it might even come up as a question on your podcast for one of your listeners. I mean, you heard me mention that we feed DDGs to our cows, which is which is actually would be a former although corn is a grass but um there's a lot of back and forth between grocery shoppers and the industry and um kind of science areas that you know grass finished beef is and um i think it's really important that people know that all cattle or i shouldn't say all nearly all cattle graze most of their lives on grass but in the winter there's not grass so we choose to supplement that so that our cows stay in good condition. And it's actually, it takes longer to finish cattle on grass. So you're actually, we're using more water and land sources to finish cattle on grass. Whereas when grain finished cattle are fed in a feed yard, those animals reach a slaughter weight more quickly and are therefore not as consuming resources and denied you know, they're just not using valuable resources as much. So I think that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions about the beef industry is that there is a, you know, there's this mentality that, you know, grasping what people have to do. And and that's not really the case. I think it's important for people to know that there, we have a beef industry and an agriculture industry in general, that is all about choice. There's so many choices. We have Organic and natural, and um, conventional, grass finish and grain finish, and all of these choices. And we, if the grocery shopper wants that product, we will absolutely do it for them. Um, and that's one of the great things about uh, the agriculture industry in general in the United States. And as a beef producer, I'm speaking from the beef standpoint. But you know, we have the ability to do all these different ways of production. And the really cool thing is that it doesn't matter if beef is conventional or grain finished or grass finished or natural i mean it is all beef. all part of a i mean can be part of a heart like of a healthy diet um you can consume beef knowing that you're not you know that you're giving your body something that it needs and you're fueling your body so i kind of rambled off onto another myth there but that all beef is good beef
0: Amen to that. In Alberta, we're known for many things, but one of the bigger things is is our beef production.
1: I've been to Alberta, actually.
0: Where have you been?
1: Okay, I should know you were going to ask me that. (laughs) It was a very long time ago, honestly. It was um, 2010, I think. Ooh, ten or eleven. So it was like eight or nine years ago, and it was International Livestock Congress in Alberta. And I honestly, I think I went to Calgary as part of it. And it was in August. And it was lovely. I was so happy to
0: be somewhere where it wasn't 100 degrees in August. Yeah, that was probably like a a winter vacation for you.
1: Yeah, kind of.
0: (laughs) Nice and cool.
1: Yes, it was.
0: So Brandy, you have recently been in the news yourself. Could you tell the listeners a little bit your letter to the New York (laughs) Congresswoman that got you featured on MSNBC News and Fox News?
1: So, oh, it seems like so long ago, so much has happened over the past six weeks. Um, My husband and I were on our way to the Dixie National, which is a big livestock or kind of like beef exposition in Alabama. And um, I had seen online, there was this document, kind of the Green New Deal had been released and um, a document or like a frequently asked questions document had been released online by... Congresswoman uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's a congresswoman from New York. I believe she represents the Bronx. So I was reading it, and in the FAQ, it says something that, like, they be to phase out farting cows, um, and that's verbatim from the FAQ. So I kind of was like, well, that is not okay because, first off, cows don't fart, they burp. And I just honestly like that there was an opportunity here to make a connection with the congresswoman who – Who, whether she wrote the FAQ or not, someone has a little bit of a misconception about what's going on out here in Cal country. So I wrote her a letter and that is what it it was. It's as a letter. I wrote her a letter explaining to her like who I was and what I did. You know, I'm a rancher. And I just explained I thanked her for her inclusion in the Green New Deal of farmers and ranchers because in the Green New Deal does say that they want to work with farmers and ranchers to to create a more sustainable food supply. So I thanked her for that. But then also I said, you know, I think you there might be a couple points uh, or there's some points worth noting about how we raise beef. And I I shared some information kind of like I shared with you about cattle can eat food, you know, cows eat food that you know, humans aren't going to, won't or can't eat. Like, you know, we throw away 17, like 1.7 million pounds of apples every year in the U S and cattle can actually eat those apples as part of their diet. And I did some kind of things like that. And then I, you know, told her if you, I know we would all, if we'd appreciate it if you'd reach out to your agriculture focused colleagues, or I'm happy to host you at our ranch or anything like that. Like it was all very respectful. Not in an attacking way. If I attacked her, she was obviously not going to want to have a conversation with me because th- that was the goal was I wanted her to talk to her. I wanted to have a conversation with her. So I emailed her this letter, which is really hard to find her email address because I'm not one of her constituents. And then I decided, the well, heck, I'll put it on my blog anyway. So I put it on my blog, emailed it to her, put it on my blog, and then I shared it on Facebook and like it went completely viral. I think to date it's almost at like it's pretty close to two hundred and ninety thousand people have seen it. After that first week, Fox News or MSNBC News called me and they came to my ranch. They interviewed me. We talked, we walked around on our cows. We talked about beef sustainability. So that interview ran two or three times on MSNBC. Um, and then a, a really big Facebook page shared the blog post and it started, it got like another round of attention. And on this next round of attention, Fox News contacted me and I did an interview with them. And it was a Skype interview, it wasn't like a, was a Skype interview at three o'clock in the morning, actually. It was not a an on-site interview where they came and had the cow got cow footage or anything like that. So that's that's what came of it. Um, I had those two interviews, and I've done a lot of newspaper article interviews, a couple podcasts, and things like that. So there's been a lot of hullabaloo about it, and I hope that it has proved beneficial to the beef industry specifically. I hope that you know of the people between TV and reading and online somewhere. I hope that maybe a couple of them have maybe changed their perception of bee production.
0: Well, your letter was very well done. I've read it several times. And I think you explained your reality as a actual farmer to a congresswoman who is making these decisions or helping influence these decisions. And I hope that she has read this letter.
1: I hope that she's read it also. But I honestly feel like if she has not seen me on either MSN or Fox or has read it, I don't know. I just honestly feel like there's no way she's. And actually, um, a Kansas congressman, Congressman Roger Marshall called me. He does not, he's not representative of my district, but he is, he's very much pro farming and ranching. And he called me and and chatted with me a bit. And I asked, would you be, because I was having a hard time understanding if my letter had actually received her, if my email had actually been received by her. So I asked if he could help me. Um, you know, get the letter to her, and he said, "Yeah, um, go ahead and send it to me, and send some pictures with it, and I'd be happy to um, to get it." To her. So, yeah, I, I'm certain that her office received it, either one of her staffers or she received it. So, I don't know if anything will come of it in terms of talking with her, but I, I do know that someone in her office received it.
0: I think even if you know you don't get a personal response from her, enough people have seen it now and have seen the good work that you're doing that it should be able to make a difference somewhere. I think.
1: I hope so, because that was the goal. I'm not a, <laughs> I am not someone who wants to be in the spotlight on TV. The goal was to have, com- to be able to bridge that gap between Washington and you know, farmers and ranchers and try to get us to be able part, to have us be part of the conversation with the people who are making laws that regulate us. And so that was the big goal. And I hope that in
0: some way, maybe a step forward has been made on that path. For sure. I'll be posting Brandy's letter to the congresswoman in the show notes. So you'll be able to click and read the full letter to her. So I'll put that oh, up Oh, well, for thank you. you. Thanks. So let's move on. Let's move from the Drama of <laughs> farming and ranching. <laughs> yes. Can you tell us about what your future plans are for your ranch?
1: Our future plans, we, go, we are eventually, we, you know, we started out as the goal of becoming completely a seed stock operation. And that's still our goal. But as anybody who is involved in agriculture in any way, shape or form knows, it all takes time. So we're going down this path of transitioning our herd from commercial to purebred. And that's the goal. Keep pursuing that goal. So when we have commercial cows that come up open or are out of our calving window, you know, we will cull them and, you know, build up our purebred, purebred cattle. The Other large goal is for me to eventually um, be able to just run cows and that be my full time job. So that's a long term goal. You know, that's like a 10 or 15 year goal. But any of your listeners that know that they, or if they have like a large seed stock operation, they'll tell you that it's uh it's a full-time thing where you need to be able to devote your full day to it. So that that is our goal is to be a large seed stock operation, me to be in charge of the day-to-day at home and making all making sure all the wheels and cogs are in
0: line and and turning efficiently. That is a good goal to have and a big one.
1: <laughs> it is it is a big goal and like I said it's like 10 or 10 or 15 years out.
0: So yeah, it'll take a while, but that's okay. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. I agree. I agree 100%. So Brandy, what do you think for you personally is the most satisfying part about being a rancher?
1: Honestly, it, it's kind of twofold. Probably the first piece of it is, uh, it, uh, maybe it's a tie. You know, the first piece of it is is raising my daughter in this lifestyle. You know, there are so many benefits and privileges that come with being raised in a rural lifestyle, whether that's on a crop farm or, uh, a you know, a a hydroponics farm or, or or livestock operation you know there's just so many experiences that cannot be matched when you live on a farmer ranch and I was so blessed to have grown up that way naturally with livestock and animals and getting dirty and and so was my husband and so we just it just is so cool to watch my daughter experience things like I remember last year we had chickens she were collecting eggs and um and I gave her two eggs and I was like, okay, carry these eggs. And she sat down and was kind of playing with them and she hit them together. And just the look on her face of realizing that a eggs are breakable and then there's things in the eggs, just seeing that learning happening to her was just, oh, it was so cool. And that, that experience or, or that that I've had of watching her learn something about agriculture or this rural lifestyle has happened hundreds of times. And every time I I see it, it's just amazing. You know, I see her, you know, we have a newborn baby calf and she sits down next to it and she gives it a hug and says, hi baby. And just those moments of where she's learning to learning to value the land and learning to love and she's building responsibility. I mean, she's a little over two and she has chores, you know, she knows that she needs to feed her pony and we obviously help her with that, but she carries the bucket to the pony and we let her dump the feed in the pan and she helps feed the dogs. Like just learning stability and, and her just learning about the land and our environment and animals is just, there's no price tag on that at all. And that's definitely, that's, easily the number one benefit. The second thing that would be beneficial is just, we love this lifestyle of raising food. I mean, I feel like it's, it's a legacy that we want to continue. We, we just feel that it's a privilege to be able to put our passion into something, knowing that we are feeding, we are helping feed the nation and the world with what we're doing. And so those are the two big reasons. Um, That's just such a blessing that to be able to live this
0: lifestyle. So beautifully said, I might have gotten a little misty when you were. Oh talking about it. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> is there any advice that you would like to give to somebody looking to get into this lifestyle?
1: My first thing would be to um, you need to sit down farming and ranching is a business. I don't want to talk about that, but it is a business. So you want to sit down and create Some sort of outline of a business plan or something. You know, you want to write down your goal. I I shared our goal was for us to grow large enough where I should stay home. So maybe if you're a crop farmer or you're a vegetable farmer, your goal was to have a a like a self-sustaining vegetable, like a roadside market or something like that. Or you want to go to the you want to have a stand at the farmers market and generate so much profit per year off of that. But you have to have a goal because if you don't have a goal, you don't know are you. Where are you hitting? Are you achieving things? So on and so forth. So I would say you need to sit down first and write down your goal and then write down some steps that you need to go. So if your goal is to have 50 cows, very few people can just go out and buy 50 cows and be like, okay, I reached that goal. If your goal is to have a seed stock operation with you know, hundred cows, what are the steps you need to take? You need to Acquire some land. You need to plan out how you're going to feed them. You need to factor in grazing plans and water quality plans like basically sit down and think about what you want to do and how you're going to do it and write it down because oodles and oodles of research that shows if you write down your goals and put them somewhere where you can see them you're more likely to accomplish them so that's my first piece of advice and then my next piece of advice is that man it's such a hard lifestyle so don't give up because things are going to go wrong. Like yesterday I need to go pick up feed from the elevator and about, and I live a mile away from where I needed to be. But at like five minutes before I needed there, the truck didn't start the feed truck. So that's a small thing, but it throws hitch, a, you know, it throws a plan. So you just always have to be willing to adapt and take things in stride and recognize that farming and ranching is not an overnight game. It is a slow game and just take it, you know, a day or a couple days or a week at a time. You can't just, you're not going to get there overnight. And that's okay because anything do- worth doing is worth doing well. So it takes longer to get things right, but that's okay. So that would be my advice. I'm kind of rambly, but hopefully you, your listeners can
0: <laughs> get a good takeaway from that. I think the rambling advice is always the best advice. <laughs> it, it comes from the heart.
1: Well, that is true. I will I will agree with you on that.
0: Okay. Brandy, that is it for my questions. Can you tell my listeners where they can find you and connect with you after this episode?
1: Absolutely. Um, I can be found on um, my Facebook page and my blog Art Buzzards Beat. So use Z-Z-A-R-D-S Beat. And then on Instagram and Twitter, I am at Brandy Buzzard. Brandy like the whiskey, but with an I and Buzzard like the bird.
0: That is a great description of what your name is. <laughs>
1: Change Twitter and Instagram to just buzzard, but I think those are actually taken because then I could just say buzzard like the bird. And I mean, most people can figure out how to spell buzzard, but I might be too late to the game on that one.
0: I like the whiskey part though. <laughs> oh, thank you. I
1: do that a- I grew up at a time when there was a lot of brandies out there. Um, so there's brandy with a Y and there's brandy with an IE. And so I just, I make sure whiskey, but with an I, so.
0: You're preaching to the choir here. Of people who have <laughs> not spelled like any other Caitlyn.
1: Yes, I actually know two other Caitlins that spell their name like you do.
0: Well, I'm glad their mother spelled their name right.
1: Yeah, they spelled that's that's perfect. They spelled their name right. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you're right. Caitlin is one that there's a dozen different spellings for
0: sure. I will make sure that all of Brandy's social media handles are linked in the show notes, as well as a link to Brandy's blog, The Buzzard Beat. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today, Brandy. So thank you. Well, that's perfect. Thank you so much,
1: Caitlin. This was awesome.
0: Hey guys, it's me again. I just wanted to say thank you so much to this week's sponsor, Shop Wild Rose Farmer. You may be thinking, what? Shop Wild Rose Farmer is your shop. Well, yes. Yes, it is. Proceeds from Shop Wild Rose Farmer go directly to supporting this podcast and making it possible. Consider purchasing an I Am Your Farmer t-shirt or even an I Am Your Rancher t-shirt. Check out the popular Wild Rose Farmer tank tops as well as sweatshirts, hoodies, and more. Members of the Wild Rose Farmer community receive a 20% off promo code for their first purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com for more information. Thanks again for listening and supporting the Rural Woman podcast. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at Farmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.